Man, who's ready for the word this morning? Amen. If you're ready for the word, go ahead and type in the comment section. I'm ready for the word. We ready. Listen, we've been uh, talking about Christ is the answer, specifically on this series now for this is, I believe, our fourth week. Uh, and, and I'm just, it, every time I think about the title, I, the, the, the word of the Lord just comes to me and he starts talking to me about something else, just adding more things that Christ is my answer for. And so we're probably going to be on this series for a while because how many know Christ is the answer for everything? Everything. And because he's the answer for everything, uh, we can take our time and teach specifically about some things that he's the answer for in your life right now. And so today, that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to be talking about how Christ is the answer and how he is the answer for every financial trouble. He is the answer for every economic crisis. He is the answer for everything that's going on in your life. Listen, I was I had the opportunity to share with you on Wednesday night, and I took a moment and started sharing a portion of the guiding word. And actually, I think I read the whole thing, uh, the way we have it broken down uh, in our banners. And I'm not going to read all those this morning. Uh, the first six or seven of those banners just talks about what God wants to do for us in this year. And I just think it's incredibly important that we don't forget it, that we don't forget what Christ promised so that when the trouble comes, when the problem comes, when the situation comes, we're already prepared. And I was reading through it again this morning, and there's just a couple of things I want to highlight. And, and you don't even have to put them on the screen, because if you've been reading, if you've been reading this guiding word, these words ought to resonate with you. You ought to, you ought to have heard these words before, and you ought to be able to be in agreement with these words. But one of the things that it says in the first part of that guiding word that he gave us for 2023, it's he says, believe my words. Believe my words, not just the words of this uh, guiding word, but believe the word that I've left you with. You know, the Bible says that uh, the Old Testament was written for our learning. And so if we're supposed to learn from the Old Testament and learn from the New Testament, you don't get to know what those things are if you're not doing one of those four commitments we talk about, which is reading your word every day. So word. he says, believe my words. And then he says, watch as great ease. And I, I want to I want to stick a pin in that word ease, because when we come back and teach today, we're going to talk about the opposite of being in ease. And it's important for you to know that God's already given us a word about being in ease. He says, watch as great ease shall come over you as you trust in me and let me walk with you. And to me, that's just so good because it's like really the key to ease is learning how to partner with God. If you don't learn how to partner with God, there's always going to be struggle. There's always going to be strain. There's always going to be stress and anxiety happening in your life, because unless you can give every problem and every situation over to the Lord, then the enemy is going to have an opportunity to have a field day with wearing you out with things that might happen, the things that might come. Uh, he'll he'll present things in such a way that he'll try to get you to believe what what it, what you're seeing and what you're hearing over what God has already said. If you look at what's there, though, because every time we read this, there's so much more to see in there. Right. 
Um, it says, believe my word and watch as great ease shall come over you as you trust in me and let me walk with you, right? So it's not one of these things where we can just confess great ease, right? He's saying, if you want a life of great ease, you have to trust in me and you have to let me walk with you. That's why if you look at the things that we teach about, we're asking you to do in the foundation, in the, in the foundations to grow, reading your Bible every day. That's how we build trust in him. Praying in the spirit every day. That's why how we build trust in him. Staying connected, taking communion, right? So that we can let him walk with us. So understand this. Pastor Edwin said, we're putting a pen in great ease. If you want great ease, there is an instruction that goes along with it. It's a two-part instruction. That's right, Pastor Ralph. We have a part to play. We've got to trust in him and we have to let him walk with us. The reality of it is you don't trust people you don't know. So if you want to have this great ease, you have to be intentional about cultivating trust with God. Yep. And then it goes on to say, it says supernatural happenings have already been assigned to you. Now, somebody ought to just give God some praise. If Thank we were at church, we take a 13 second praise Thank break for you, that. Lord. Supernatural happenings have already been assigned to you. It says, so don't forget my plans for you. They have always been good. Praise God. They've always been good plans. They've always been plans to increase us. There's always been planned for us to be the head and not to tell. He says, for I have destined or desired to cause restoration to manifest in every area That's of your good. life. That is him saying there is an anointing available for you so that any area that has been infiltrated in your life as a result of the enemy, he says, I need you to know it's been my desire. Been it, my is, desire. it is the reason I sent my son to die on the cross for you, because my desire has always been to restore, to bring you back to the days of Eden you before the teach. fall, so that you could manifest in every area of your life, eaten in the earth. And so when we talk about Christ being the answer for everything, and today we're talking specifically about this financial trouble. He says, here's the thing you got to do so that you do not get into situations where anxiety becomes your best friend. So that panic mm. doesn't become your best friend. So that fear doesn't become your best friend. He goes on to say, it says, do not be afraid. That's what it says. Do not be afraid. And then if you keep reading down a little further, it says, do not walk in fear. He's telling us, don't be afraid and don't walk in fear. And he says, why should we not be afraid and why should we not, in, why should we not walk in fear? And here's our setup. He says, my angels are already encamped around you and they have already been given their assignment. Last night, we were just kind of, kind of vegging out a little bit at home and we was watching that TV show, The Rookie. And, and if you've never seen it, it's a show about police officers who are who are rookies. And they would go into that room every time before their shift started and they would be given their assignments. Sometimes they didn't they didn't know what the assignment was going to be. They, they didn't even understand what the assignment was. But the captain, or whatever, would explain to them why that was their assignment. 
That's what God has done to these angels. He has said, these are your quintillion angels. He says, and they are assigned to you, Sean Strickland. They're assigned to you, Ralph Marlowe. They're assigned to you, Kristen Valley. He says, and as a result, they already have their assignment. They already know what to do. We shouldn't make their job hard by being outside of where we're supposed to be. He says they've well, already we shouldn't been make given. their job boring by right. not believing right. for anything. Right. 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 Let them do what they are called to do. They have been given us. their assignment to assist us. To assist us what? He says to protect you, to guard you against what? All need or lack. And so, so to me, it's like, hey, he literally set us up in December for what we're seeing. We know that the first part of that thing said, don't be worried about what's going to happen in the first six months of the year. Well, here we are five months into the year. If you if you barely been watching TV, you know, all the uh, predicted economic crises that are ahead. You've seen the layoffs. You've seen gas prices go up. You've seen home prices go up. You've seen people who, uh, who the Fed has raised interest rates. You see adjustable rate mortgages going up. People who was paying $1,500 a month are now paying $2,700 a month. And, and, and as long as those interest rates keep going up, their mortgage is going to keep going up. So they're talking about the number of, of houses that are going to be foreclosed on. Listen, we understand all of that. We listen to all of that because it directs us on how to pray. It directs us on how to pray. And if we stay in this word, I'm a firm believer. If we stay in this word, we can get rid of all of the fear. We can get rid of all the panic, all the anxiety, all the uneasy feelings around this issue of money. Because money's important, right? Because money is the thing that people, it's the tool people use to, to run their lives. And because God knows that, he is he has not left us out here on our own to defend for ourselves. Absolutely. I want everybody to put this in the comment. First, I want everybody to share this because there are people who need this word. There are people who are frustrated, aggravated every single day about Scared, money. Terrified. Scared, terrified. Anxiety is up. But I want you to say right this. Say this. Make this declaration and say it with your chest. God provides for me in every season. Amen. God provides for me in every season. When we believe that there is provision from God in every season, we don't have a reason to look outside of God in any season. God has never had a drought. He's God never has had never had a, had a drought. God has never had a drought. And so this is going to be an encouragement for some of you it's going to be a reset for some of you, right? And for some of you, it's just going to take your faith to the next level because you're already prospering, right? But our expectation has to be that our expectation literally has to be that if everything in the world was shut down in the way that God provided food for Elijah and water, that is what he would do for us. However, he would have to get it to us that those of us who believe him, who walk with him, who trust with him, trust in him, there is always provision. Now, people are frustrated because they're like, I love Jesus. You love Jesus. But where do you look for your provision? Mm. Because you can love Jesus and not look to Jesus for your provision. And one of the ways we know who we look to is that there will be people 
They don't do any of the things that we've instructed them to do. They don't spend time in the word. They don't attend the services. And then when they get in trouble, they're like, hey, Ralph, can you pay my water bill? Hey, Nietzsche, can you pay my light bill? You're looking to a person. One of the things that we have consistently taught that navigated us through the pandemic is that God is our source. Everything else is a resource. Christ is the answer. It's just a rewalking of that teaching. It is to say, God is my source. We thank him for jobs. We thank him for investments. We thank him for people who bless us. But at the end of the day, God is our source. So it's the anointing that's going to deal with the fact that you're always behind on your rent. It's the anointing that's going to deal with the fact that you don't make enough money. It's the anointing that's going to deal with it. And that's why we have to do what the God and word says. We have to trust in him and walk with him so he can walk us out of financial trouble into abundance. And all you really have to do, you know, you talk about success leaves clues. We say that all the time. We say it to our kids. We say it to each other. Success leaves clues. If success leaves clues, then I got to find a role model who has been successful in an endeavor that I that I wish to engage in. And so what do I do? I look to Jesus. What did Jesus do when Jesus was faced with the with the opportunity of not having enough to do the work that his father had sent him to do, which was to feed the people after he had been ministering to them all day? The Bible says he took what was given to him, the fish and the bread. He took it right and the first thing it says he did is that he looked toward heaven. Why? Because he understood that what he had in his hand, and some of y'all going to get this, what he had in his hand was not enough to do the assignment he had been told to do. That's good. So he had to look toward heaven. And the Bible says that as he looked toward heaven, he began to break. And he broke and he broke and he just kept on breaking the, the fish. He just kept on. And the Bible says when he was done, he had fed 5,000 men, not counting the women and children. Why? Because he kept his eyes focused on a place that had unlimited resources. That's so good. And so one of the ways that you can look to see if you need to renew your mind is that when you have what you perceive as lack, hear what I said. When you have what you perceive as lack, where do you look? Yep. When you have where, what you perceive as lack, because what you perceive as lack is only lack because you're looking at it through the eyes of the world. So when you have what you perceive as lack, where do you look? Do you look to your credit cards? Do you look to your savings account? Do you look to your spouse? Do you look to your job? Where do you look? Because Jesus tells us that when it, no matter what we're facing, we look to heaven and then heaven gives us insight on what to do with what we have. And really, if you think of this, why I said that many of you, if you use this, you will have the opportunity to use your faith to come to the huddle. Because here's what happens. You say, I can't afford a ticket. I can't afford a hotel. Do you know what you're doing? You're looking to yourself. You're not saying to God, God, that's my covenant family that you connected me to. 
I really want to be at the huddle. Show me how to get to the huddle. Because if it's one thing I know is that a plane ticket doesn't mean anything to you and gas doesn't mean anything to you. You are my source. And, and here's the thing. We love teaching like this because it allows us to be self-reflective, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's just like when mom used to say to us, what did mom used to say all the time? It just was so, just believe God. Just believe God. Just believe and it God. would be so frustrating because it would be like, we are believing God. But the point she was making is that you are looking everywhere but God. Many of you, your anxiety is up, your stress is up because you look everywhere but God and you will never see the answer that the anointing ants offers you when you're looking everywhere but God. And I remember one of the things that God did to really help me solidify this thing with, that I wasn't looking to him is we had spent some time and we had, you know, at that time, what we thought was a nice little savings. We had built up some savings and had some different things finally starting to happen. And God had asked me to, to buy. I was supposed to buy something. And I was asking God about where to buy from. But I didn't ask him. I was saying, should I take it from my savings? Should I take it from this, from this, from this? He said, I don't want you to do any of those things. I want you to believe me for it. And I was like, what do you mean believe you for it? I am believing you for it because I got the money for it already. He says, no, I want you to believe me for it. I want you to ask me for it. I want you to thank me for it. He said, them ABCs of faith you teach, ask, believe, uh, and conceive it. He said, I want you uh, to or confess it. He said, I want you to ask me for it. And I was like, wow, I don't know that I've ever just had it and then still ask God for it. And I think that's what happens to a lot of people. If they don't have it, they ask God. But if they have it, then they don't ask God because they think they have it. And God is like, look, if you'll ask me, I have unlimited resources. You don't even have to use your own resources when you come to me. I'll give it to you. And I think the perfect example of that is Canaan. Canaan I knew you was about to say Canaan absolutely. is the perfect example she of has, that. She has money in her account. She could buy her, her, she could get her own nails done, get her own gas, get her own food, go shopping herself. And she will still ask me for the money. Why? Because she sees me as her source. Now she gonna learn. She gonna learn God is her source. But right now, as a teenager, she's she's like, I got money, but you got more money, and so I'm gonna ask you because you have, a, in her mind, you have unlimited resources. And if a child can do that, then why can't we do that for a father who really does have, have unlimited, unlimited resources? resources? And I think the reality of it is, this is why Romans 12 and 2 tells us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Because did you hear what Pastor Edwin just said? And this is the thing, and, and, and I'm not trying to be shady, but it's one of the things that we can tell. Like during the pandemic, one of the things that I taught people how to do was to believe for seed every day, mm -hmm. right? I can always tell when people stop believing for seed and they start looking to themselves because their way that they sow begins to change, right? Now, here's what happened for a lot of people. In the beginning, when people were believing for seed, in their mind, they had a limited amount of seed. Maybe they were going to sow $5 a day, right? Mm -hmm. That's all they had. So in order to sow anything other than that, they needed God to increase them. But many of you did increase over the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So then it got to the point that you could sow $20 a day. And what you did is you stopped asking God where to sow 
and where to get the money from. And you became dependent on what was in your accounts. Yep. And then let me tell you what happens anytime you become dependent on what's in your accounts. There is a need that is bigger than what you have. There's always going to be a need bigger that, than what you have. Is this, is anybody hearing what we're saying? Many of you, you can go back in 21 and 22. Every day you were getting up, God, where do you want me to sow? God, where do you want me to get the money from that? But you're not doing that in 2023. That's not how you're getting up every day. Every day you're getting up and you're saying, this is how much money we have. So I can determine how much I'm going to give based on what I have. And what you have done is that one of the things that it says in the guiding word, can you pull that back up, babe? Which one you want? Of the one where it says supernatural, the, the part where it talks about, because I want to get the language right, right. On the screen. Supernatural happenings have already been assigned to you. So when you begin to depend on yourself, you cut off supernatural happenings. Now, you may still be doing great things. You may still be being a blessing to other people in the earth. But the reality of it is, is that you are missing how God wants to walk with you to show you that even when you have $10,000 in your account, that he would give you $1,000 to meet a need for yourself or somebody else. Is this making sense? If this is making sense, we go use that number one today. If this is making sense, put a one in this comment if you can see how you have been a person it's like oh my god how did i get away from that put a two in the comments man i got away from that i really was asking god every day for provision i really was i was i was asking god every day for daily bread and then i began to increase and then i began to look at myself there are some of you that the first time you came to the um when you came to the huddle or you came to a live event, you came on faith. And now you're coming off based on what's in, uh, in your account. But the reality of it is, is that I keep trying to explain this to people. Your account can't afford you. You better get some Canaan Strickland wisdom that says, listen here, if I spend my money, I'm going to run out. No, I'm going to ask my father because if I ask my father, he has provision for me. Yep. So I'm going to listen to him. I'm going to walk with him. I'm going to do what he is telling me to do. Why? Because there is an anointing for every need that I have and every need that I'm called to meet. Amen. So we, we talk a lot then about total life prosperity. And while finances is a part of that, it's not all of that. But it is a part of that. And so this particular this particular broadcast today, we're talking about how to overcome financial trouble, how Jesus is the answer for every financial issue we have. But it is through our faith in Jesus Christ alone that we are going to have the opportunity to experience financial prosperity in an area where there doesn't seem to be financial prosperity. Mm. It is going to be through our faith mm. in Jesus Christ alone that we get to overcome any financial struggles that try to rear their head. I love how you said it earlier. You said any perceived need or lack. You and I, as born-again believers, and especially if you're connected to this ministry, you've already been given a word that there are angels who have already been assigned to you. They've already been given their assignment, and it's to guard you and to protect you against any need or lack. So when you get that word in you, it is hard for you to see yourself as being in need. 
it's hard for you to see yourself as being in lack. You like, it may show up looking that way, but I remember what Jeremiah 17 tells me. It tells me that if I put my trust in God, that I won't even see when bad things come my way or evil comes my way or trouble comes my way or this perceived lack or need comes my way. Cause I'm so focused on the fact that my father has an unlimited amount of resources and that it is his good pleasure to give me the whole kingdom, which includes those resources. And before I even needed it, he already assigned angels on my behalf to guard me and protect me. All I have to do is not fear. All I have to do is not be uh, in, in doubt and unbelief. I don't need to panic. I don't need to be anxious. And I just need to remember that my job is to partner with him so this great ease that he's already assigned to me will come over my life. Now, let me tell you about a time when Canaan doesn't have great ease. <laughs> okay. So some of y'all can use Canaan as y'all testimonial, okay? So when Canaan knows that she has not been following her father's instructions, just the other day, Canaan comes to me and she said, now, now let me say this. For the most part, I don't even know all the stuff her daddy bought her because she don't even talk to me about it because she'd be like, if I talk to you, you go tell him he ain't got to buy me all that stuff. So she just go in that room and sit beside him and show him stuff and he buy her stuff. Right. But when Canaan knows that she has either had a bad attitude, when Canaan knows that she has not followed the instruction of her father, then Canaan comes to me to see if I can get her daddy to do something for her. The other day she said to me, mom, will you ask dad to cook me some salmon and some green beans? And I said, what did your father ask you to do that you did not do that you now need someone else to ask for you? Mm. I said, I, baby, I know this like clockwork. And so the truth of it is, is that what happens is, is that when we get into disobedience, scripture says that disobedience, mm. what it's going to do is that it's going to mess with our confidence. Mm. And the disobedience is going to say, because I've been practicing disobedience, I can't go to God to get what I need. That's because good. I haven't yep. been tithing, mm. I can't go to God mm. to get what I need mm. because I didn't sow the way that he told me to do because I bought the car when he told me not to buy the car. And I said there when she was talking to me, I said, whatever you did, you should repent. You should do what your father told you to do. So you don't need nobody else to go to you to get what you need. There are some of you right now, you believe this because you practice disobedience. So you think if you ask Pastor Ellen to agree with you for a new job, it will come faster than mm. if you just stand. You practice disobedience. When I say practice disobedience, I don't mean y'all all out here on a pole. I mean, you practice disobedience and what he tells you to do with your money. You practice disobedience when your man of God tells you everybody should make $100,000 and you keep sitting at a job that makes 60 and you don't even look 
for another job. You practice disobedience when you stay in relationships that God told you not to be in. You practice disobedience and then what the enemy does is he whispers to you and he says, Edwin, you don't have the right to ask God for that. So now you got to go and get somebody else to ask God for you. But the reality of it is, is that we live in a new dis testament dispensation. And so what sin wants to do, which is why we shouldn't sin, we shouldn't sin not because we're afraid of going to hell Come in on. eternity. We shouldn't sin because sin creates hell on the earth. Because it impacts your confidence. Because it impacts our confidence. Impacts and confidence. if I don't think that God will help me, I think I have to manage it myself. Some of you should repent right now because your disobedience has allowed the enemy to torment you. It has allowed the enemy to take shots at your confidence and it has made you think that there are things you only receive if someone else goes to God for you. But that is the spirit of condemnation. God doesn't want you to be condemned. He wants you to be convicted and come out of this place where you're living in rebellion to God. I believe with all of my Ooh, heart Jesus. somebody just had a light bulb moment. I think you did. Somebody just had a light bulb moment. They just realized that their disobedience and all the times they have to end up starting over and starting over because they just won't obey God has messed with their confidence. And that's the reason when they pray, if they're honest, they don't really believe it. They're really just hoping and wishing and kind of begging God to please do it. It's because their disobedience in so many different areas has impacted their confidence. And I declare today your confidence is returning, that you're going to repent and not only repent, but you're going to practice obeying God in those areas where you have been disobedient so that your confidence can stop being shaken. Because I want to say this, even a good thing can be a sin. Mm -hmm. Even a good thing. I'm going to give you an example. Several years ago, over 10, the Lord told me that I had a good husband, but you were not my source. Remember that? Yeah. He said, stop asking Edwin for everything that you need. Because when I told you that, you just thought I was being mean. And then, well, and you then, weren't, you and God weren't saying it for the same reason. <laughs> I don't want you, listen, what we're not going to do is play no games. I'm just saying, it was the you same can word. go ahead and repent. It was the you same and the word. Lord weren't saying it for the same, the same reason. Words. You and the Lord, were you saying it for the same reason as the Lord? I wanted you to know I wasn't your source. Oh, that's Lord, what the Lord Jesus. wanted you to know. You need just back. Okay, let go, me finish tell, my story. Tell your story. Let me finish my story. Tell your story. Jesus. <laughs> so, anyway, because I wasn't your source. Edwin. Go ahead. <laughs> Tell your story. Now, the truth of it is, we live in a world where we are told that if you have a husband, that your husband should be your provider. And your husband should have the means to provide for you. But Edwin can't afford me. Mm -mm. And that's what the Lord was trying to teach me. Right. Was that Edwin could not afford me. Oh, the reality of it is, is that many of you are frustrated with your husband, but your husband can't afford you. And this is how the Lord walked me through it. He said, if a woman needs a man to have provision, what's a single woman supposed to do? Right. 
Right. God is the source. <laughs> he wants to be your source. <laughs> so there are married women who you think you can't do things because your husband can't afford it. There are single women who think you can't do things because you don't have a husband. Mm. And so in reality, we're both living in a lie. So literally there would be things that I would want and the Lord would say, do not tell anybody you want this. You have told me and let me work it out. Mm -hmm. And what began to happen is, is that I, one of my first examples is that I was at Walmart. I was about to buy a t-shirt. It was a graphic tee. I had the t-shirt in my buggy. The Lord said, put it back. I said, I really want this t-shirt. It only costs like $10. He said, put it back. I put the t-shirt back. I get home and at the end of the day, somebody comes, says, calls and says, can I come by the house? I want to bring you something. And they bring me that t-shirt. They say, when I was walking in Walmart, the Lord told me that you wanted that. And he told me to get it for you. But there were also times that you bought me things that I never told you that mm -hmm. I wanted. And what he was trying to teach me was that no job, no husband, no wife, no investment can afford or be as good to me as God will be. And he was teaching me to take the cap of his goodness off in my life because when I'm looking to other people, when I'm looking to a job, when I'm looking to a business, when I'm looking to my husband, I have capped God's goodness. Mm -hmm. How many of you can see that you have capped God's goodness? Mm -hmm. So what are the ways we can cap God's goodness? We can cap God's goodness by walking in disobedience, mm -hmm. right? We can cap God's goodness by seeing other people and other things as our source. Now, let me say this to husbands, that then what a good husband, because let me just say this, any good man, I'm just going to tell y'all this, any good man wants to take care of his wife. Sure. Amen. Amen likes. Any good man wants to take care of his and, wife. And, and to be clear, taking care doesn't just mean paying the bills. Yes. Because we live in an economy now where sometimes it actually does take both people bringing resources to the table. There are so many ways to provide and to take care of your partner mutually, each other. You provide and take care of her. She provides to take care of you. Those things can happen. It's not just about money. But, you know, if... The Bible tells us that wherever your heart is, there will your treasure be. So I've never had an issue giving you my resources because you have my heart at first. Because so, tell the truth, you really want to give me your money, don't you? I like what my I like how using my money makes you feel when I use. I it know you don't want to say it because you feel like I'm gonna ask you for something, <laughs> that, but that, you really that's do what I want. Like. You want to I like give using me your money. my money as a tool to bring you some joy. Sometimes. Amen. <laughs> but what men can do is that just like a woman can make her husband the source, mm -hmm. a man can then step in a role that belongs to God. Yep. So then now a man, he is looking at his resources to determine what he can provide instead of looking at his God to help him provide for the wife he gave him. Which is why sometimes men can sometimes find themselves being overtly stressed 
or anxious because they're trying to be something they weren't called to be. See, there were there were things that I believe in my life that God didn't want me to do for you. I he that. wanted you to believe him to do them. I believe that. And, and as long as I'm trying to do what God is telling me, if I'm trying to be God in your life, I'm going to always come up short. And so it's just important to understand that balance and to know that. And so, yes, you're absolutely right about that. No, does this make sense, guys? Because we've got to reset our thinking around this, right? But we, we've got to reset our thinking around this because if we don't reset our thinking around this, then we're loving God, but we're not operating in a kingdom mentality. Right. That's why Matthew 6 and 33, it yep. says, but seek ye first mm -hmm. the kingdom of God. Hear what it says and it's righteousness. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons I am always going to harp on obedience is because you cannot be seeking his righteousness without being obedient. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Now, here is where I think the church gets messed up. The world gets its provision from the evil one. Mm -hmm. The world gets its provision from the evil one. But when I am a born again believer, my provision comes from the Lord. Mm -hmm. So sometimes believers are looking and they're like Psalms 37. You know, why do the wicked prosper? Why does it seem like that somebody in the world can live any kind of way and get anything that they want? Because they don't have the same source and they also don't have the same daddy and their daddy requires different things, mm -hmm. right? So if you're a born again believer, you need to hear me. If you attempt to live like the world and get God's provision, you will always see shortage. Yeah. You we, will always see short. We have to understand, and you can type this in the comment section, say, God is my provider. God is my provider. We must understand that God is the one who provides. We don't look to the north, the south, the east, or the west. Everything that we have is a resource, but God is the source. He is the provider. You know, uh, we look at Philippians 4.19. If one of our favorite scriptures, right? It says, and God shall, what? Supply, supply all, all of our need. According. And I love he didn't say needs. He said your need. It's a, all encompassed. All encompassed according to his riches and glory. Not according to the economy. Not according to what's in my savings account, my 401k, my stock market account. He says, no, according to his riches in glory by the anointed one in his anointing, by Christ Jesus. This means that whatever financial situation we're facing, that Christ is the answer for it. There is anointing for it. There's an anointing There's for it. There's an anointing for it. Now, I got to tell this testimony. Okay. So, um, thank God, God has been so gracious. My business has really exploded over the last couple of years, right? And um, so, last year... Um, at the end of the at the end of 2021, I had talked to my accountant about what we were supposed to do for taxes and stuff. We still ended up with this really big tax bill, right? Well, the truth of it is, I was really frustrated by that tax bill because that tax bill did not make sense to me based on me doing what the Lord, the accountant had told me to do. So we had to send this big sum of money in. And I said to the Lord, I want my money back, 
right? I'm talking to Crystal Robinson and Crystal Robinson is saying, I never tell the Lord I want my money back. I say, I always tell the Lord I want my money back. Anytime I spend money on anything, I say to the Lord, I want my money back. But especially if I spend money that I didn't want to spend, I say, I want my money back. So last year I got my money back. This year we had to pay taxes again a big thing the reality of it is i want to say to all of you who want to increase the reality of it is, is that when you increase you don't get an income return back like i remember when we were young married and we couldn't wait to file in january right because we was gonna get that big sum of money back now we just like oh what is the last day to file because that is a part of increase that is the cost of increasing that you pay more you pay money in instead of getting money back so anyway, we get the thing and the God tells us how much that we owe, which is multiple thousands of dollars that we owe. And I say to the Lord, I want my money back. The next, what was it? Two weeks later, we're in a meeting with our accountant and we're walking through the numbers. And I'm saying to my accountant, this right here doesn't make sense to me. And he says, that's because this is an error. Give me a few minutes. He does some work and what ends up happening is that we get our money back, yeah, right? Yeah. We get our money back. But the truth of it is, is that when there is a big need, whatever big is for you, because big can be $100 for somebody, right. big can be $1,000 for somebody, big can be $63,000 for somebody else. The reality of it is, is that when I see something that is a need, I say to the Lord, you're my source for everything. You're the source for my taxes. You're the source for my car. You're the source for my house. Everything I have belongs to you. Now, let me parenthetically insert. The reason I can say everything I have. <laughs> I, was, I was like, if you don't fix this, I'm going to wait till you get done and say it. Because the Lord. Has, it ain't just about hollering, I want my money back. What have you done to put yourself in a position to, to, to match the conditions of being able to ask for that money back. That's the important part. No, that's the important thing because some of you struggling to pay for that car because it ain't God car. And some of you struggling to pay for that relationship because it ain't God relationship. And some of you struggling to pay for that car because it is God's car, but you stopped tithing when you got the car. <laughs> you robbing God to put rims on it. I want y'all to can, can I want y'all to get me a mic over here so that when Pastor drop like that, I could just drop. No, really, some of you you want to be blessed in the kingdom, and you think you're going to be blessed mm -hmm. violating every kingdom rule. And, it just don't and work you like just that. not. Yeah. And I love it because the other day I found a scripture which is not in the notes, but in James 5, I had never read it like this. In James 5 and 19, it says, when a believer goes astray, it's our job to warn them and pull them back. And I am telling you that some of you are struggling financially, not because of the economy is doing, but because of your own personal disobedience. And I need you to hear this because every, I don't care how much you make confess. Go ahead. I know I'm saying I can prove this out with a conversation that I had just this week. Let's go. I was talking with someone this week and they've had several things happen in their life, like uh, their transmission went out, 
I think if they had an issue with their refrigerator, it was unrepairable or whatever it was going to cost to repair, they just basically had to buy another one. Uh, something happened, I think it was, it was with the HVAC system or something. It was some like major things that happened. And it was like, Pastor Edwin, you know, it's like I had this money saved up. I had been saving this money up and like all these things are happening, blah, blah, blah. And I kind of got into encouragement mode by, by, by saying, you know, uh, you know, the Lord has told us, you know, that we have supernatural things released to us. We declare and I'm pleading the blood and everything over all the appliances. And the Holy Spirit said, ask them if they still tithe. Now, while I'm talking, I'm trying to preach. I'm trying to encourage. And Holy Spirit say, ask them if they still tithe. And so I said, hey, um, are, are you still tithing? Well, no. No, no, no. They paused. I said, hello? <laughs> hello? Uh, well, I, I, they always say well. well. They always said, say well. Well, it, back in February, I had I really wanted to feel. No, this is what they said. Back in February, I felt like the Lord told me to start putting more money in my savings account. So you thought I don't he, I don't doubt that He told you that. So you think He meant? To but take the, the what, what to they do did is stop tithing Careful and was putting about. their tithing in their savings account. I said, well, no wonder yo, no wonder. I said, add up everything you're gonna have to pay and what's in your savings account. And do you know everything they're gonna have to pay to get the transmission fixed, to get that refrigerator replaced, to get that HVAC redone was more than they had in their savings account. I said, when you stop tithing, you literally took the blessing off of all of your stuff. I said, you are now functioning in the curse. The curse is the empowerment to fail. This okay, and I was like, "What do you mean?" I, I have no doubt the Lord told you to start adding to your savings account, but I'm sure He didn't tell you to start taking your tithe and doing it. Because why would He tell? It would be like me telling somebody, "I want you to increase your savings account. Come to my house and rob me." Yeah, come to my house. Now why and would rob I tell you to come me. to my house and rob me so that you so can increase your savings, your savings account. account? No, but and here's the thing, and people think. The scriptures at people teach the scripture wrong like God took your money. He didn't take he your didn't. money. What the scripture says is that the tithe rebukes the devourer. So the devourer was always coming. He's always you, coming. I want you to understand this. We have given people things that tore up after we gave it to them because they wouldn't tithe. It had the blessing on it when we had it. Baby, ain't nothing like that, that white expedition. Baby, that white, that white expedition, expedition had, had the anointing, anointing on it. 337,000 miles and never went to the shop except for except for oil changes and some tires. Listen. I, I really want y'all to get our this. Our stuff don't break. Our stuff don't <laughs> That's break. That's what we say. And our in stuff fact, don't break. In fact, when our stuff breaks, we turn around and look at our stuff and we say, hey, do you know who house you in? That's right. Do you know who house? Because this house is an embassy. You can't just be breaking our stuff. But the truth of it is, a non-tithe, a tither can give you a purse that's brand new. And because you a non-tither, it'll break. You'll be walking around and get it snagged on something and tear the get whole thing And just up. tear the whole thing up. Because ain't no, ain't no blessing on it. Ain't no He's blessing a, on it. And, and, and you are not an exemption. And unfortunately, we live in a world right now that keeps telling you that you're an exemption. That keeps telling you that you can live any kind of way. I have watched people. I have watched people who were living well individually start shacking and now they can't pay their bills. Mm -hmm. Now, your bill on money, on, on paper, your bill supposed to be less. 
but it but but something keep eating away because the truth of it is i don't care who you are god don't bless your shacket i don't care who you are god don't bless your rebellion i don't care the truth of it is there are some people you got married to somebody you weren't supposed to get married to and, it, and you was like hosea it was holes in your pocket ain't nothing worked since you married them Every time you turn around, something is being taken from you. Something is being stolen <laughs> from you. What? I'm what? sorry. I can't. That's why I don't read the comments. <laughs> Nietzsche, no, Nietzsche, Nietzsche, it's real talk. Nietzsche, your stuff. Not, not have your stuff, like, have your stuff <laughs> looking like it's a crackhead. So all I thought about was Pookie. Pookie. And, and no, no, really. You, and, and, and this is what some of y'all do. Literally. God will begin to increase you. He will begin to bless you. You're walking with him. You're being obedient. And then you will let the enemy use the lust of your own flesh to get you to get into covenant yeah. with somebody that he told you not to be in covenant with because you don't want to be alone, because you want to be valued, because you want to be seen. And literally now all your stuff over there looking like a crackhead. No matter what you put on that piece of paper, it don't never, ever, ever work out. And this is not, I'm telling you, this season we're going into, this is not the season where you want to be uncovered. Yes, Th those of you who have slacked off on your tithe, you know, you stopped tithing to put it in your savings account or you did something else with it or you feel like you didn't have it or you trying to store up. This is not the time to be uncovered because if you begin to do that, then you eliminate what we're talking about, which is that God is your provider. And when you don't see God as your provider and you can't see somebody you're robbing as your provider. When you don't see God as your provider, you're going to become very anxious. And with that, that word anxious means to be uh, unsettled or at unease. And, and I like when it when it made it, it made that it said to be un, to be at to not be at ease, to be unease. Well, God said we're supposed to be what? Having great, great ease on our life. Great well, if, if the enemy can talk you out of securing your financial security by getting you to rob the tithe, now he can make things very uneasy for you. Now, let me say this. This is also not the season to keep giving money to people who keep rebelling. No, I agree. This is not the season. There have been people, there were people that God had us to help in the pandemic. There were people that God had us to, mm -hmm. to help both personally and ministry wise. And then there were people who just kept operating in rebellion. And you need to understand this. God will tell you to cut your own mama off. He will say, I have told your mother what to do. I have told your daughter what to do. I have told your cousin what to do. And they refuse to do it. Stop giving my resources to them. Yep. Absolutely. And this is not the time. I love it. Listen, listen, th this is so important. We want to look at these scriptures. What keeps us from being, um, what keeps us from being an, an, an anxiety? I, I want everybody to type this real loud. Type it real loud is what I said. Well, me and Pastor Edwin would be typing on the computer like you over there typing hard. You need to type this real loud. The number one thing that's going to stop anxiety is obedience. Obedience. Obedience is going to stop anxiety. He, he tells us not to be anxious, but you cannot not be anxious if you're not obeying. Disobedience causes unease. Obedience will cause you to be at ease. It's like this. 
if not, it's just a natural example because, like I said, we kind of vegged out yesterday. We watched so many episodes of The Rookie. I, all I can think about is, well, is rookie examples. It's because we was exhausted <laughs> when we got through getting take Kane and do with prom child. But we, but you know, it, uh, when we talk about being uh, be, being un- uneasy, right? If you tell the truth, and the police say, "Hey, we want to question you." And you know you ain't did nothing wrong, and you know that, that what you're saying is true. You ain't got no issues. You like, yeah, I talk to you. But if you are even a little bit suspect about what may you you may have done or done something wrong, you're not going to be willing to be open and honest. So I'm telling the people of God, just be open and honest with God. Obey Him, and then you won't be un, you won't be anxious. You won't be uh, not at ease. I, and I feel like the Lord wants this is a specific word for some people. The Lord, you will repent for not tithing. This is specifically around the tithe. You will repent for not tithing. And you'll tithe for one, two, three months, and you'll begin to see increase. And as soon as that increase begins to come, you take your guard down. And it's like you keep living Groundhog Day. It's like you keep forgetting what brought you out. It is not your management that brings it out. Mm. It is not that you are so good at stewardship. It You don't even know. The only reason Kimberly sent you that money is because you was obeying God and God stared her heart to do it. Some of you, you must break up with the groundhog day cycle that literally when you hit rock bottom, you're willing to do whatever God tells you to do. But then as soon as the pressure gets off, you go back to doing your own thing. Who is that for? I dare you to call yourself out. Like literally, you do literally. When it's rock bottom, God, I'm down. God, I'm sold out. God, I'm a pray. I ain't going to miss prayer. I ain't going to miss 630 a.m. prayer. But Lord, as soon as the pressure gets off, you should not be a person who has to be at rock bottom to obey God. Amen. Amen. Break up with being a person that literally all hell got to be breaking loose in your life for you to obey God. It's just better to obey God. It's just easier to obey God. It is just more freeing to obey God. Stop forgetting that it's God that got you out. Mm -hmm. I don't make that confession. I love what Latonya said. I don't have to be a rock bottom to obey God. I just choose to obey God. Because if you don't obey God, you will be at rock bottom. Because if you don't <laughs> obey God, you will you be will at rock bottom. Hit rock bottom. But God says, listen, God says, listen, I am your provider. That's what we, we want you. This, this is the principal point for today. I am your provider. And as a result that I am your provider, you don't have to be anxious. You don't have to be anxious. And so let's, look let, at some yeah, let's look at this. Matthew 6, 31 through 33, and also in Luke 12, 22 and 24, it says, therefore, do not be anxious. He says, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious about what? He said, don't be anxious about what you're going to eat. In other words, how, in today's time, how much stuff is going to cost for you to buy food from your family, about what you should drink. You know, we can say for what, how you're going to put gas in your car to get to work, what clothes you're going to buy. He says, what you shall wear. He says, for these things, the Gentiles seek after. He says, but your heavenly father, and I love this, knows what you have need of. It says, but seek 
first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. You mentioned Matt, Matthew 6, 33. He says, listen, he says, you don't have to be concerned about gas prices, about food prices, about paying your taxes, praise God. You don't have to be concerned or anxious about how you're going to pay for school or your medical bills or your kids' pictures or prom or getting them a car, getting them to college or refurnishing their dorm room. You don't have to be concerned about any of those things. He said, those are things that people who know the word but don't know me those are the ones who worry oh, about those things because you don't know covenant he said, he said, gentiles do those things gentiles know the word they don't know the giver of that word they don't know me he says and because they don't know me they seek after all of these things they seeking after that's what they're looking for he says but your heavenly father knows that you need these things that you have what you have need without an s of it's all encompassing god says whatever your need is i'm already ready to provide that for you he says you don't have to be concerned to be anxious about those things and then it says so just seek ye first the kingdom of god his way of living and doing things his way of living and doing things seek his way of living seek his way of doing things which is righteousness, he says, and then all of the stuff that you need, those things will be added to you. And then he goes to Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Yes. It says, do not be anxious for anything, anything. but in everything, everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Amen. And the God the of peace, of God. the yes. peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ mm -hmm. Jesus. This is so important. That's your temperament and your thoughts. <laughs> he said, he said that, that the peace of God, nothing missing, nothing broken. It surpasses all understanding and it'll guard your emotions. In Romans 8, 32. I love it. It says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How? How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? all things? So this is what I see when I look at scripture and you taught me this. If there is a promise in scripture that I am not accessing, my question to the Holy Spirit is why? Mm -hmm. It's why? Not why, why not me. Not it's why not why. me. It's why. And I'm going to tell you that probably Maybe 20% of the time he has told me it is warfare, but the other 80% of the time he has told me it is an area of disobedience. 20% mm -hmm. of the time he said to me, Sean, just keep doing what you're doing. This don't have nothing to do with you. It's warfare. Keep standing. The other 80% of the time he has said, remember when I told you to do this and you ignored it? Remember when I told you not to do this and you ignored it, right? So when we see these things and God has made these promises, these precious exceeding promises, and he cannot lie, I have to get self-reflective and say, why am I not seeing it? Now, that's interesting because for me, it's, it's not there's sometimes that he'll tell me it's warfare. I've heard that, too. A lot of times it's not that he says to me that, I, that it's an area of disobedience. It is. But here's how he says it to me. He says, you don't yet believe. That's what oh, he that's tells so me. interesting. He says, you don't yet believe. And, it's, and, what, and, what he, and I understand through communion with the Holy Spirit over time, what he means is I know what the word says. I intellectually understand the word. I can break the word down and tell all the meanings. But it hasn't hit the depth of my heart that I believe it more than all the circumstances that I've bombarded. 
Sometimes it's 50-50, and you can't win when it's 50-50. Sometimes it's 75-25, and you can't win when it's 50 Sometimes it's 80-20 or 90-10. He says you don't win until you 100% believe this word over everything else. And so what I have found is when I, when I, when I allow Holy Spirit to tell me, it's not that it's not that I'm being disobedient, but you don't believe yet. Then I go back to the word. I gotta get more word. I gotta I gotta get enough word to drown out the disbelief that's in my heart. And I think a lot of times people won't admit that. But a lot of times people say they're believing. But if you if you really was honest and could strip back everything, if I could put a spiritual lie detector in your heart, you would see that there is some doubt and unbelief there. Okay, but can I offer you this? Because sure. this is what you would do to me. Sure. The Bible says whatever is not done in faith is it's sin. sin. So my not believing is it's, missing the yes. mark. It's still Absolutely. sin. It's, it's a form of disobedience. Yeah, that's, that's he said. just yeah. says it to yeah. us differently, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's like whatever, if I don't believe God, I have missed the mark. Yeah. If I have missed the mark, I may just be disobedient in my thoughts. But it's still a form of disobedience because I'm not taking God at his word. 100 percent. I okay. just wanted to share what I was saying because I know there's other people who like that and they may not equate that to being disobedient. So I'm saying the Lord doesn't say those words to me that way. But it is the same thing. If you don't believe that is a form of disobedience because we are told to believe. I just love yeah. you. Are y'all getting something from this? Is this helping you? Right now, the reason we're giving you these scriptures is because faith tells us the Bible tells us how we increase our faith. Yeah. We increase our faith in scripture. We increase our faith by meditating on what God says. So it's like when you hear the scripture where the psalmist says in Psalms 35, 37 and 25, I have been young and now I'm old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his cheat nor his children begging for bread. I grew up hearing that all the time. and I mean, it was just something that everybody said, but it didn't become reality to me until I was like, you know what? I looked back over my life and I saw how God took care of us in our 20s when we had kids. I look at God took care of us in our 30s and our 40s and now in, 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 our, in our early 50s, <laughs> in our early 50s, how he's still yet taking care of us. I, can, I feel like this, I've been young and I've been old, but I've never seen the righteous, those who, who do things God's way and who trust in God, I've never seen them forsaken and I've never seen them have to be. And I think what's hard for people is that, and I really want you to hear this. You can be doing the best that you know, but it still isn't enough for freedom. Yeah. It can be the best that you know, but it still be violating what God said. That's why James 1 and 5 tells us, if any of you lack wisdom, Wisdom is the appropriate application of knowledge. Let him ask who? God. God, who generously gives to all without reproach, and it will be given unto him. Mm -hmm. So what people do is they go, I've done everything I know to do. And I want to tell you that most of the time when believers say this, you mean you have done everything but talk to God. Or everything you're willing to do. Or everything that you <laughs> yeah, or yeah, everything yeah. that you are willing to do. If I don't have the appropriate application of knowledge, I don't know the order to pay these bills in. I don't know how to increase my savings. I don't know how to invest. Ask God 
who gives us wisdom. Mm -hmm. He gives it generously to us without reproach. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I love is that when God began to break the spirit of poverty off of our life, right? There were instructions he gave us together, but there were instructions he gave us that were separate. Mm -hmm. And sometimes in marriage, what happens is, is that spouses are trying to force the other spouse to do it their way. And I'll give you a great example. You, I wanted you in the beginning to build this entrepreneurial business with me. Mm -hmm. That's what I wanted you to do. And you were just like, it's not what God told me to do. Do what God told right. you to I do. I said, if God told you to do that, then you should go you all do out what God told you. you to do, right. right? Now, but here was another one. That summer that y'all made all that money with options, mm -hmm. I tried to do options with y'all, but them options stressed me out. The options were not my thing. They were not my thing. So I prayed for you when you did, even a couple of times I said, hey, put my $300 in there with you. But I could not do that the way that you did it because of the level of anxiety it created in me with those options, right? Just because we're married, we don't have to be the same to be in covenant. And we have to do the thing God told us to do. Um, Nietzsche said, how do you know the spirit of poverty was broke? I'm going to let you give a serious answer. Mine was we weren't broke no more. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll let you answer that. The way that we knew the spirit of poverty was broken is that it wasn't hard anymore. The truth of it is, is that we've seen a lot of provision from God. But in the beginning, it took a lot of very intentional um effort of our faith like we had to be we had to be in the zone in order to bring some and then it just got to the point that it just wasn't we what no i was gonna say seriously for, for me it was really about coming to more so a heart revelation that god doesn't want me broke as it was a head revelation. I had a head revelation because I didn't like smart. I didn't like being well, not just smart. I didn't want to be broke. I don't I don't know many people who go, I'd rather choose poverty than rich. I don't know a lot. Some people would. I don't know a lot of people who would choose that. But for me, it was like I had all the scriptures, I had all this word about it, but it didn't match what I was seeing in my life. And sometimes that that was the friction. It was like, well, I God supply all my needs, but I got some needs ain't being supplied. Okay, so which one am I going to choose to believe? And it wasn't until I got enough word that I started believing more of the word than my situation. And then over time, that just began. It's like anything, right? It's like that example that, that we saw Dr. Mike do with the glass of water and he put the food coloring in. But he just kept letting the water just run continuously. The faucet just kept running. Over time, that stuff gets flushed out. And over time, I got enough word, enough belief, enough spending time in his presence enough enough re reality for me that it flushed out the poverty that was there because that's what i had saw so much of i saw a lot of people who had needs and didn't have their needs met so when you see that when you when you're around that it your vibrant's always working on you it gets to be a part of you and the only way to get that out is you gotta wash yourself with the word to get all that out i'll say this too when you went through that season 
yet you were studying to teach. We weren't always teaching about finances, right. but whenever you were studying personally, it was always something about God yeah. is your supply. Yeah. Yeah. God, and I literally, Listen, there was I, a no. book beside your bed, uh, about beside our bed that was probably there for two years. <laughs> yes. And anytime you I could were, be preaching on, on angels, I could be preaching about uh, I, I could be preaching about fruit of the spirit. I could be preaching about making good decisions. But what I was personally studying for me was about God being my source. So Latanya asked this question. If y'all have questions, we can just end up with questions because we still we can come back and finish teaching this. Oh, yeah. Because the, fi the financial part, the financial part is such a stronghold. It's such a chokehold. And let me say this, and I'm going to answer Latanya's question. We Last week I was talking to you and I was saying how I had never, you, you know something, but you never look it up. And it was saying that um, the Bible says, don't give the enemy a foothold. And I was saying, I looked up the word foothold. I had never looked it up. Obviously, you know, a foothold means to grab something, right? But a foothold literally means to give him legal access. Mm -hmm. There are things that we do that give the enemy legal access that allow him to be able to bring certain things in our life. And here's where people get tight in their chest. I don't have to know that I'm doing it. Just like a baby doesn't have to know that if they get off to the edge of the bed, that gravity is going to pull them down. They don't have to know it to be impacted. Yeah. So in truth, our ignorance has kept us in bondage. And now our job is to renew our minds and expose yes. the ignorance. Yes. But the one thing we have learned in 23 years of ministry is that the Bible says a curse does not come without a cause. And I'm going to forever say this. Everybody needs help sometimes. Nobody should need help all the time. If I need help all the time, yeah. if every time, yeah. if every time I get $5,000 in my savings, something is knocking that back, right? Every time I get a new job, I'm getting laid off or I'm having conflict there. I may not know what the empowerment to fail is, but there is an empowerment to fail at work. So my job is to seek the wisdom of God to find out what the enemy has on me that allows him to keep tormenting me like this. Yeah. And for us, one of the things we really had to learn to do, we came from lack, right? We saw lack. And one of the ways that the enemy would get a foothold on us is what we would say in a pressure situation. Mm -hmm. We had to learn how to not use our words to give the enemy legal authority over us. Yeah. We could not have a dime and we are never going to tell you we don't have any money. Yeah. We could not. I'm, I'm talking about we could not have a dime. And some of that is because we believe we don't ever not have money because we serve a God of unlimited resources. That's fact. And, and, and until that till that meshes and become one. It is, and, I, and it wasn't always that way. It was, it was. We ain't got no money. God is, but until that meshes in your heart, not just your mind, not just intellectually, until that thing meshes in your heart, that spirit of poverty is is hard to break. Because poverty is a mindset and it's, it's a, a spirit. spirit. Yes. Now, Latanya's question. Can you pull up Latanya's question, Ralph or Chris? And 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 some of you not gonna like this answer, but I'm gonna tell you what broke it for me. She says, how do you navigate when you're not broke, but it's tight financially? There is an excess. 
I said that that was what it was. I was broke. Because 2 Corinthians told me that there was all grace for everything. So when there wasn't grace for it, I didn't try to make the distinction. And let me say this. I think middle-class people need to make that distinction. Middle-class people need to say, I'm not broke. I'm not poor. I began to say, if I don't have what God says that I have, I am broke. And if I, and, and let me tell you why I think this matters. When I say it's tight financially, I can manage tight financially. When I acknowledge that I'm broke, I go to God for answers. Now, for me, that was the big shift. I did not make any distinction, which is why I like when you're talking about that merging. It says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you that you may have all sufficiency in all things and may have an abundance in every good work. Pastor Edwin says, say what you said again about the, mer the merging. You no, know, I'm just saying that you can intellectually know something. You can intellectually understand that uh, that God is able to make all grace abound toward me, that I would have all sufficiency in all things and that I may abound to every good work. You can know that scripture intellectually, but your experiences in life, how you grew up, what you have seen, what you currently see in your bank account, what your needs are, what the due dates of things that are due can be over here. And so what you're saying is, I know God can do all of this, but you're also saying this. When you put those two together, God being able to make all grace abound supersedes this. And until that supersedes that, you you dilute what God can do. It's, it's like having a bottle of pure Arctic spring water and you put a drop of sewage water in it. Who's going to drink it? Even if it's whole, even if it's eight, it can be 16 ounces of crystal clear water. But if someone took one drop of raw sewage and put one drop of raw sewage in that water and said, here you go, nobody would drink it. So, But it's got 16 ounces, but nobody would drink it. So if I won't allow contamination in my water, why would I allow it in my face? And that was that's why it took me two years of reading every day and studying every day, because until I got to that point, I was always going to be having a spirit of poverty. Uh, did I make more money? Sure. But I was still. But we make that distinction. If I don't have enough to be abounding to every good work, then I then, then God, I need you. God, I'm, 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 you're my source. And then we started adopting that thing where we say, if God don't help us, we go fail, we gonna fail anyway. anyway. So then no matter how much money I had, I was looking to God for my source. If I could buy a Bentley, God, I'm still looking to you for my source. If I could buy a plane, God, I'm still looking for you for my source. Because at some point, I'm going to tap out. Edwin's going to tap out. I'm not going to have enough. Edwin and Sean isn't going to have enough. I'm going to need God for something. So I might as well practice needing him for everything. Oh, I love this, Trina. Trina said, I have family members that operated with a poverty mindset. How do I stop them from seeing me as their source? Tell them no. Yeah, no is a full sentence. No. No is a full sentence. You tell them no. You say, I'm willing to teach you what I've learned to do. I'm willing to teach you how to tithe. I'm willing to teach you the conf confessions. But I'm not your source. And it's not easy, but, 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 and actually, that's what I was talking about earlier, Trina, when I was saying that sometimes we were talking about the husband-wife thing. If you move out of the way from being their source, they'll have to then depend on God. 
Sometimes or, we, they'll find or, or, or they'll find somebody, they'll else. Find somebody else. But, but my point is they, it won't be you. They'll either find someone else or they'll have to learn to depend on God. But sometimes we keep trying to be God for people who won't go to God. So yeah. Oh, that's a good question, though. That's a good question, right? It is tough at first, but let me tell you what stopped it from being tough to me. Do I care more about pleasing God or you liking me? And I, I and I think that had to be the elevation for me. I care more about pleasing God than whether you like me or whether what you think mm. about what I do with my money. I don't care what you think about what I do with my money. I care about pleasing God. If God says no to you, if God says no about you, I don't care. Yeah, I don't care. And and I think some of that is the internal work, right? Do I care more about pleasing God or do I care about you not liking me? And I want to tell you, some of those of you who keep giving people money, they only like you until you don't give it to them. And, how, and if you want to test it, tell them no. They don't really and watch like and see you. What happens. Literally, I cannot tell you how many people that no matter how much we have given them, how they have talked about us when we stop giving to them. They totally disregard how many times we paid their rent, kept them from getting evicted, yeah, kept them fast. from getting their car repossessed, kept them with food on their table. And literally, they're so disrespectful and so dishonorable that they literally, knowing that this church was giving them resources, would not even come to service. I'm not even trying to be funny. We go to virtual church. You could fake us out. You could log on in the beginning. You could make a praise the Lord, hallelujah, in the beginning. You could come back in the middle and say, thank you, Jesus. And at the end, you could say, a pastor, y'all showed sure did teach. But you're so disrespectful and so dishonorable that you think a church you're not committed to should give you resources when you won't even learn to participate. Man, come on. You got to understand that it's people in your family that if you don't give them a dime today, before the day is over, they will be talking about you like a dog. Let them talk and stop disobeying God because I will forever say this. There are literally people you have dried up your own financial provision walking in rebellion to God. Because God told you not to give them any more money and you kept giving them money because you said, ain't no way in the world that God would tell me not to give my sister money. Baby, your sister was at the casino. Yes, he did tell you not to give her money. Your sister got a man living with her who played video games and you and your husband go to work all day and you think you have been manipulated into believing God wants you to help your sister who live with a man who got a PS4 and all the latest games. Baby, listen, you can get, and if you really get stuck with this, baby, can't nobody help you get through free like Edwin Strickland because the way he don't care. Well, and here's the thing. The re here's the reason, I, and I, I don't care, but here's the reason I don't care. Some of it is I'm hardwired that way, and, I, and I've talked to other people and realized that some people aren't. At the end of the day, ask God, God, should I give my sister money this time? God says yes, you do it. Regardless of whether she got a man living with her and some and playing the PS5 and not working or not. Ask God. If God says yes, it's yes. But if she got a man and they married and they both working and they both doing everything they're supposed to, and God says no, then it's no. Just just cut out your own decision making. Ask God. Ask God. Ask God. Ask God. Does anybody else have any questions as we get ready to go? 
What I hope this because I have to ask God because I have a natural being. Your natural. I have a natural being to know. No, this the truth. I have a natural being to know, especially for grown men. No, I have a natural. No, if you able body. If you able body and can work, you can walk and pick up aluminum cans. You can you can dig a ditch for somebody. You can rake somebody's leaf. You can cut somebody's grass. You can power wash somebody's house. I don't care if you got to do it with a sponge and a bucket of water. If you're able body, you can do something. So I'm not giving you my hard earned resources when you're able body because you don't want to work. Now that to me that's different. <laughs> to me that to me that's a lot different. Now, but I, now I still ask God. But I ask God because I know that I am actually bent toward no on certain situations. So I ask God. <laughs> so I don't be in, so that way I don't end up in, in rebellion to God. Because <laughs> I always like right, Ralph, I'll always obey you. I may not even be happy about it, but I'll obey you. So yeah. So number one, God is got got today's lesson. <laughs> God is our provider. No, but this is but but the truth of it is is that I do think I do think it's important to ask God because I do have a being toward yes. You do. I have a being toward yes, except when we get into two things. One, you with a man who don't provide for you. So now you want my money while you lay up with a man who doesn't provide for you. You can't be giving up the goods, good asking for my goods. You cannot <laughs> be giving up the goods. Asking for my good. What? How would you want my money? Right. And this dude is laid up with you right. and your kids ain't got school clothes. Right. Because I'm a firm believer that if you not go do it the Lord's way, at least in the world's way, that dude would have to pay to play. Well, what's your other one? You see that? Okay, <laughs> that's my second one. Jesus. Now my second one <laughs> is people who try to manipulate the church. Oh, yeah. My second one is people who try to manipulate the church and people in the church. People who say, you know, Ralph, I thought you loved Jesus. I do, but you don't. That's why you broke. Now go on and get out of my face. Right. I can't stand you don't get to manipulate Because people. you don't get to manipulate me, right? And a lot of you, I love it. Alicia said, this is deliverance. And a lot of you need to let the Lord deliver you because you have been manipulated by people. Um, I know somebody, um, that early on when they were really serious about the Lord, their brother asked them for some money and got them to, um, and gave them, and they, they gave their brother some money that they really couldn't afford to give them. And their money, their brother went to the liquor store with that money that they got manipulated. People will manipulate you based on the fact that you love Jesus. Mm -hmm. Don't let people manipulate you. God, the same God who did it for me, he'll do it for you. And what I really struggle with is that I'm tithing, I'm tithing every week. I'm sowing my seeds. Um, I, I'm not drinking my money up. I'm not smoking weed. I'm not doing all of those different things, right? And now I am supposed to give you the money that I got from obeying God while you live in rebellion. But see, Alicia, come on, we can end with this deliverance right here. The truth of it is, is that a lot of you stay in this rebellion because you feel good to be people's source. And so you understand that that's not just um, psychological, that is also physiological. Because when you give and when you help and assist, your body releases a chemical that is stored in your brain, in the pleasure center of your brain. 
and it reminds you of how good that feeling is. So even when you know you're not supposed to be helping or, or God is telling you no, it's like being addicted. You, your, your brain, if you're not careful, will release that chemical or will give you signals to release that chemical by giving so that you can feel good. Uh, the psychologists actually call it, and medical doctors, they call it a giving high. That it's not just psychological. It is psychological, but it is also physiological. So you have to be careful about getting your own joy and happiness and need met by being someone else's source. So you know how you do that? The Bible says to crucify your flesh. Mm -hmm. How do we crucify our flesh in giving? We ask God. Yep, she because, said I made it my word. Absolutely. Because people are doing it with people and people are also doing it with ministries, always needing oh, to sure. sow so the people can see your name come up and see that you're one of the big givers. And I'm telling you that that's a dangerous live uh, way to live, right? Um, do you think that has to do with the response from a tangible person? Because that giving doesn't always relay to the kingdom. Do you think it has to do with the tangible response from a a response from a tangible person. That's what Ralph is asking. Can you clarify that question some more, Ralph? Yeah, just clarify. Do you think that has to do? Does what have to do? Yeah, read. You can just come in and ask us the question if you want to. Oh, oh he said I answered. He said we answered, oh, right? Okay. Does anybody else have any more questions? We're going to get ready to give our opportunity to give this morning. As you get ready to give, you should always be asking God, what should I give? What should I give? Um, and if you have stopped tithing, start today. You ain't got to ask God, what should you tithe? It's 10% of your gross income. You know that. And if you have stopped sowing, start today. I want to go back to something with Latanya. Latanya asked, what do you do when you're, when it's, when, when you aren't broke, but it's tight, right? Mm -hmm. So you talked about how things can be, um, we talked about how the spirit of poverty can be a spirit. It can also be a mindset of poverty. The reality of it is, is that when we break the spirit of poverty, the spirit of poverty, um, how do I want to say this? The spirit of poverty can be cast out, but at every level, the mindset needs to be renewed. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to give you an example that I hope will help you. Last year when I got the unexpected. So this may be semantics, renewed or developed. The mindset. Sometimes does the mindset need to be developed into something new? We'll say develop, but I meant renew back to the original okay. state that oh, God gave. Okay. But let's okay. we can okay. use develop. Let's let's use develop. Okay? okay. So um last year when um I got the tax bill that I had worked really hard to not get, okay. Um when I got that tax bill, and that day I think it was what we had to pay. $42,000 that day. And so is that, it was due that day. It was due that day. We had to pay So they wouldn't start doing the penalties. So they wouldn't start doing the penalties. And even though I had the money, it created such an emotional response in me. And that emotional response was fear. Now, I didn't recognize that it was fear at the time. I, I initially thought it was anger over my CPA not giving me the information that I need because in my mind I said I would have made some decisions differently if you had told me I was going to have to pay $42,000 today hear me it wasn't that I did not have access to $42,000 it was that that number created this spirit of fear in me 
So what began to happen? Okay. And what was the fear? The fear of what? The fear was us going back to a place where we didn't have enough. Right. That that's what it was. It was. It wasn't that you. It wasn't that you didn't have the money to pay the bill that was due. It was the idea that if I take this and pay this, it's going to decrease my account by forty-two thousand dollars, and I'm and now I'm gonna be back. And so the mind start going back to a place because forty-two thousand didn't even deplete your account. But it was like, but if I do this, it's going to take me back down to here. That's where the fear came. So, so go ahead. No, that's really good. That's where the came. The fear came. Now one. I did not know I was initially afraid because I am a person who goes to anger before fear. Mm. So at first I was just mad. Mm -hmm. I was just mad at the accountant. Mm -hmm. I remember that day we were sitting in the office and you kept saying to me, Sean, it's not that big a deal, but I could not pull my thinking, feeling cycle back because I was terrified that we would go back to a place. Now, you also have to know this about me. You would also have to know that I am a little old school because I was raised by my grandmother. So regardless of what people say about where your money should be, cash is important to me. Cash is not as important to you, but cash is important to me. Baby, I'm like your big mama. I got a Folgers can. I don't play about having cash. So this CPA had done something that in my mind played with our cash, which played with our livelihood. I got mad first, but the anger covered up the fear. And the truth is, is that he hadn't done what you thought he had done, right? Are you going to tell that part? Or you not? That's the that? way you keep telling that story, but I don't think that's the way that happened. Okay. I don't think that's the way that happened. And maybe we'll come back for the years old, but I, that's, that's not how I see okay. it. Okay. So listen, now what happens is the money does not take us down. Okay. The, the money, the business is still doing well, but here's what begins to happen with Tanya. Now in my own business and personal account, I can't keep the money up and I can't keep the money up because even though the money is in, I am now tied to a moment from the past. Yes. Now my words gave the enemy a legal foothold. A foothold, a legal right. A legal, legal right access. that even though I was making more than I had ever made before, that he gave the enemy a legal right to keep ciphering my money. Finally, one day, probably 90 days in, I'm like, what the heck is happening to my money? And the Lord says to me, you got in fear and you exalted that money above me. And I am your source. So 90 days later, you the time has moved on, but you have not. I have not moved You're on. You're still in the moment of feeling like if I pay this bill, this is going to take us back down, even though you're still making money. But you cannot live above where your mind is set. So because it was set back here, that's where you still work. Is this helping anybody? And really, that's why some of you stop sewing. That's why it some is. of you stop doing the things. Because you're what happened in a is past moment. Something happens, and I went back to that past moment. And that past moment, so even though, hear what I'm saying, I'm making more money than I've ever made before, yep. but I'm tied in a moment of lack. And because I'm tied in a moment of lack, 
I am creating a moment of lack, even though the money should be there. And we knew. So, so lack is finding a way to get to you because you've opened the door to it. So it's finding you. So even though prosperity is coming, lack is lack is finding you because you've opened the door. Now, Tanya, I want to walk you through because you said this. And if y'all need to go, you need to go. But I'm going to walk you through this. So then what, Tanya? So here's where faith comes in. Your, com your confession says fear go now. But that's not how fear goes. What you have to do is you've got to renew your mind. It ain't but one way to that do that. That meant I had to go back to the basics. And Pastor Ellen will tell you I did this. I went back to scripture like I did not know anything about financial increase. Yeah. I went back to 2 Corinthians, started all over again. I went back to Deuteronomy 8. I went back to Ecclesiastes. I went back to Psalms 112. And then I learned that at every level, the enemy was going to come and see if he could get me to attach to fear again. So then I began to treat financial prosperity the way that I treat healing because I study healing every month. Yep. And can many of you see, I read, somebody said this the other day and I was going to say it in Soul Shift tomorrow, that the basics are always required for advancement. Mm -hmm. And many of us try to advance without the basics. Yeah, because the basics are your foundation. The basics it's are our foundation. foundation. And foundation. what we do is we make more money, because in this case, we're talking about money. We make more money. We get increase. And what we do is we get away from, we say, I don't need to open up my Bible again and read 2 Corinthians yeah. out loud. I don't need to have 10 of those scriptures pulled up that I'm looking up. And now the enemy is stifling that word from you every day. I love what Chris said. You went back even though in the natural you were not depleted. So because you can live in a moment that's not a real moment. LaSandra said, this is the truth. Many believers do this. I have reached this level, so I do not have to do the ABCs or the one, two, threes. Let me tell you where we see this. We see this every year in the NCAA tournament with boys. All year long, there are boys who have gotten away with playing basketball without doing the fundamentals. Mm -hmm. And we're going to get to that tournament every single year, and, they, and they're going to not have their regional refs and their refs that know that when he does the Euro, he takes too many steps, and he's going to get frustrated because he got sloppy with the fundamentals. You don't typically see that with girls' basketball because girls always need the, the fundamentals to play basketball. We got to stop trying to dunk and trying to do Euros and be okay with making good passes and setting good screens so that we can operate fundamentally so no matter how much we increase, we still have the basics to live. Amen. Does that help? It absolutely does. It makes perfect sense. You know, and that's why this year we were prepared for whatever the tax bill was going to be. Now, praise God, he found the error and got some things fixed and we got, got the money back and some credits for next year, tax season. But we had decided that whatever this year's tax bill was, we were going to be okay with it. That we were going to pay it and that we were going to think we were going to see that seed. In fact, what we said, we were going to see that seed, which meant that it was going to come back as a harvest. And so, you know, you have to sometimes you have a hiccup in the road. But when you have the hiccup in the road, go don't don't be like, oh, well, I just got to keep pushing through. Go back and get that foundation. 
You know, it's no matter what I'm studying, I am studying always about how God is my source. And I'm a, a this two and, things and, and I'm gonna always be studying healing. Yeah. And I'm gonna be and now I'm always studying increase, but I'm studying healing, right? And I we really want to help you guys because guys, we have to get the practical part of walking by faith. Um, we're gonna end with this. Let me and I go this, ahead. Because when I when I when I want people, I don't I don't want anybody to misunderstand me. When I say I'm always studying about God is my source, I'm not just talking about money. I am literally studying God is my source because I figure if I can get God is my source, if I need healing, He's got it. That's good. Wh whatever. If I, if I need finances, He got it. So my foundational study that I study for myself all the time, regardless of what I'm talking about on EHR, regardless of what I'm talking about on Relationship 101 or here on Wednesday, on Wednesday nights when I teach or on Sundays, I am studying something that has to do with how God is my source. Because for me, I know that if I'm not careful, I can tend to look at my outside environment and what's going on, and that can pull me away. And I'll never be pulled away again. So I keep studying over and over and over getting deeper and deeper and deeper that God is my source. You know what? And this is the thing. I want y'all to see this. One of the things that we're both learning how to do that you need to learn how to do this is that the Bible says, don't be ignorant of Satan's mm -hmm. devices. How does he get you off the mark? Mm -hmm. What does he do to get you to come out of agreement? What does he get you to back do to get? What's the thing that he can knows that he can do that'll stop you from tithing, mm -hmm. that'll stop you from sowing, that'll change your confession? What is that thing that he will do? You got to know it. So when you see it the next time, right, it's another thing. We can go back to basketball, right? One of the reasons we study film is we study film. I love that you said it's usually fear, but it's got to be more specific than that. It's got to be here is how the fear shows up mm -hmm. for me. If fear is too broad, yeah. right? I've got to know that I got to know that the enemy will do this to strip, but he will do this to me. Now, then what happens with us is we begin to be able to help each other. Hey, babe, you notice that thing right there is happening. And when that thing right there happens, that's how the enemy gets you off track. Sean, don't fret about that money, because if you fret about that money, it's going to create that anxiety for you. Right. So I want to give you all this as we get ready to give. Right. Um, and, and, and Alicia, all you got to do is ask the Holy Spirit. He'll tell you, mm -hmm. be like, Holy Spirit, how does the enemy get me off every yeah. time? And everybody here can just ask the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit can't lie. Because the Holy Spirit can't lie. How does the Holy Spirit get me off every time? How does the, the Holy how does I mean, how does the devil get me off every time? <laughs> right? Right. So I want to tell you this. I woke up this morning. I told Pastor Edwin I had a dream. And we're going to end with this dream. And you can sow your seed today. Because I you want to sow. <laughs> so I had a dream. And in the dream, I was in New York City, downtown, like where the, all the lights and all that stuff is. And I was walking with Jesus. And Jesus was healing people and he was delivering people. And as he healed people and as he delivered people, some of the people kept going about their way. There's a lot you can say about that. But some of the other people began to follow him. So I'm walking with Jesus. He's healing these people. He's delivering these people. Some of them keep going their own way and some of them turn and follow him. And he walks us into this classroom at a university there. I know it's a university because it's one of those, you know, rooms where the tables go around. It's one. The table goes around and it's rows and stuff. And Jesus is teaching and he begins to teach about faith. And he says to us, he says, 
faith is violent. Faith is violent. So I got to have the word in order to be violent. Faith is not aggressive towards people, but faith is violent. Since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God suffered violent and the violent take it by force. So anything the Lord has for you, you're going to have to take it by the force of faith because the enemy doesn't want you to have. Right. And then he says, faith has a voice. So we always know when we're in faith by what we're saying. And when you're constantly saying, I don't know why this is not working, it is indication that you are not in faith, that you do not believe that you have received, which is why you keep saying you don't know why this isn't working, right? He then says, faith is a weapon. He says, you have to use scripture. And he's like showing them these scriptures. And he's saying, you have to use the scriptures as a shield of faith. So like, for example, when you get a bill tomorrow that you didn't expect, he says, you got to lift up the shield and say, therefore, I am not anxious over everything. I don't have to worry about what I shall eat, what I shall wear, or what I shall drink. That's what the Gentiles worry about because my God is my supply. And he was saying to them that a lot of times because people are not using faith as, as a force, they're not using it as a violent force. They're not using faith as a voice. They're not using faith as a weapon. They cannot fight the good fight of faith. The good fight of faith means that the enemy is going to try to use time to wear me out of what God said. He is going to try to use time, days, hours, months, years to get me to break covenant with God. So I've got to know that for, that faith has to be violent. I've got to know that faith has to be, um, that it has to be a weapon. And I got to know that faith has a voice so I can fight this fight of faith. So I want to end with this. Many of you struggle financially, but if you would check your violence, if you would check your voice, and if you would check the shield of faith, you would see why you keep ending up where you are. You keep ending up where you are because when the money looks tight, you get sad and start crying again. And if you're going to break this, you have got to learn to use your faith in who Jesus says he is to you to take what it says. That's right. Faith is violent. It takes by force what God has promised you. Faith has a voice. It confesses. And faith is a weapon. Use the scripture as a shield of faith. And that is how we fight the good fight of faith. Mm -hmm. This week, I want to challenge you to check if that's what you're doing. What do you do when it looks like the money is funny? What do you say when it looks like the money is funny? What is happening? Is the word a shield or are your problems the shield that's keeping the word from getting in? We hope you've been blessed by the teaching this week. Put in the comments what you have learned. I want to declare a blessing over the people who hung out. You know that if you hang out when we go long, I want to decree and declare something over your life. So I want to make a confession over you. You want to say something while I'm doing that? Mm -mm. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> I will say while she's doing that, don't forget all of our weekly services. You know, on Monday, Pastor Sean does Strategies for Success. On Tuesday, I do Ed Talk. On Wednesday, we have uh, 
prayer and refresh Bible study in addition to our teens meet at 715. And then don't forget that on Friday mornings at 630 a.m. Central Standard Time, we have Champion Circle. We believe that showing up for prayer is not only necessary, but it's important because we believe that something supernatural always happens when you Pray. And then don't forget every Sunday morning, if you haven't liked the note, if you haven't clicked and liked the notification on Kristen Valley's page, you should go do that because she leads us into worship at 9 a.m. every Sunday, her and her husband, Elder Valley. And then we'll be back here next week uh, at 930. Still talking about how Christ is the answer for every financial issue you may have because we got more points to cover we got more points to cover all right i want to make this confession over you and if you consider us to be your pastors or you consider us to be your spiritual parents or you consider yourself to be in covenant with us in partnership then you can take this word so basically i'm going to use the force of prophecy to push you into your next um into your next dimension right so i prophesy you into your set place in this season I apply the blood to every financial limitation and financial demonic assignment that is working against your financial progress. I invoke the covenant that I have with each of you to take authority over what has held you back, kept you stuck and in cycles of financial struggle or kept you from moving forward as fast as God desires. I curse every curse against you. I stand in agreement with God over you. I release the word of acceleration and restoration to move you into your proper financial place in this assignment and declare that every weapon formed against you be crushed now in the name of Jesus. I release Ephesians 3.20 in your life and I release angels to bring this word to pass in your life now, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We love y'all. Have a great week. See you at services. Remember our four commitments. Just as a reminder, we ask you to not miss a service. If you have to miss live, you catch the replay. Number two, we ask you to read your word every day. Number three, we ask you to take communion more often. And number four, spend time praying in the Holy Spirit. Why? Because it says it builds up your most holy faith. All right. Love Amen. you guys. We love God you. Bless you. Bye bye.